0: Hey, hey, on today's edition of 10,000 Pitches, we have Joe Meyer, founder of the Lower League E-Cup. We're going to talk to him about how the 2020 tournament went, the current battle of the kids happening on Twitter, and their plans for 2021. The 2021 version reportedly happening in January, so we're going to get his thoughts on on that, their plans for 2021, how it may be different than what we saw in 2020. But first, got to tell you about our friends at Stimulus Athletics. Stimulus are the first sponsor of 10,000 Pitches, and they have been an amazing, Partner, not only have uh, they helped us launch the 10K kits, but they've really helped us distribute it to everybody who's uh, bought one just completely hands off. It's been awesome. We haven't taken on inventory, we haven't had to take care of shipping, and they can do the same for you and your club, whether it's soccer, baseball, basketball, ultimate frisbee, Stimulus Athletic can help you outfit your club. And if you want to sell some to maybe the supporters of your club, they can help you do that too. So here's what you do, you go to stimulusathletic.com, click the design tab, fill out the quick questionnaire, five, six questions, just getting to know you, your club and your needs. If you have a design, that's fine. They can make it come to life and they can distribute it for you and get it out to the players and fans. If you don't have a design, if you're working from scratch, if you're not sure what you want, Stimulus has a fantastic design team that can get you exactly what you're looking for, exactly the type of design that fits your club and sends the message that you want to send. They can put that on your jersey, pants, backpacks, warm-ups, whatever you t-shirts, whatever you want uh, to help outfit your club for the game and for the warm-up and for the trip to the game. Uh, stimulus, they, they do it all again. Soccer, baseball, basketball, ultimate frisbee—doesn't matter. They can outfit your club and do it at an affordable price. So again, go to stimulusathletic.com, click that design tab to get the process started, and make sure you tell them that Jeremy from 10,000 Pitches sent you. And also, if you want to buy the 10K kit, 10,000 pitches, one zero 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 pitches—I think that's enough zeros. Dot itemorder.com is the direct link. Go there. The 10K kit. for a regular version. If you want to customize just $34 right now, the link is also on our Twitter at 10 K pitches. All right, here we go. Welcome in. It's another edition of 10,000 Pitches, a podcast devoted to everything Minnesota soccer and beyond. My name is Jeremy Rushing. Thank you so, so much for listening. We're on episode 18 now. So whether you've now listened to all 18 episodes or this is your first crack at 10,000 pitches, thank you so much for uh, giving us a shot, giving us a listen. Um, If you could and you haven't already, hit that subscribe button and also leave us a rating and review if your platform allows it. The more ratings and reviews we get, the better... uh, the better we're featured on those platforms. And as always, make that rating, make that review your, your actual thoughts of the podcast. If you, if you think we're great, leave us five stars. If you think there's room for improvement, three or four stars. If you think we suck, you know, uh, as much as I don't want to see a one or two star review, uh, if that's your actual thoughts or feelings of the podcast, go ahead and leave that and leave some constructive feedback if you could. Uh, today on the show, I'd love to welcome in the Lower League E Cup founder, Joe Meyer. Uh, the Lower League E Cup over the summer provided some awesome entertainment for a lot of Lower League soccer fans without actual soccer happening on the field. And now we have the Battle of the Kits happening on Twitter, which uh, provides some real nice exposure for these, for these clubs and their jerseys and, and ways that, that people can go and uh, contribute to those clubs uh, since they're not seeing the revenue that they normally depend on on the field. Maybe go buy some merch to, uh, to help them out. Uh, so, Joe, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the podcast, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure. So, so how's it going right now? You're in college, uh, over in the Cleveland suburbs, uh, and you're an athlete yourself, not soccer, but men's volleyball. What's the, what's the overall environment like where you're at and, and specifically the athletic environment like right now?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's kind of in a situation where we just have to make the best we can out of it. Uh, they men's volleyball is, is a spring sport for NCAA. So we kind of dodge a bolt with that. I mean, we still don't know what our season's going to look like. Uh, I know all the fall sports, you know, soccer, football, field hockey that they all got pushed back into the spring and they're going to do conference only uh, we're, we're not sure what you know spring and winter are going to look like but you know we're, we're hoping for the best we're making the best out of it we, we kind of like a, there, there are some things we can do we can do small group training we can do um, just like open gym type environments but you know it's, it's all about just making the best out of it because because who knows where we're going to be this spring
0: so academically, are you guys doing a lot of, uh, distance learning, a lot, a lot of classes online, or are you going to a fair amount of in-person classes?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, so we're a hybrid, um, personally, a lot of my classes, it's, it's a smaller school overall. Um, I, I think a good comparison, both academically and athletically would be, um, probably St. Thomas from, from listening to some of your podcasts, you know, okay. before they jump to D1, obviously, but, um, so, you know, smaller school, a couple thousand kids, uh, so a lot of my classes will have maybe 30, 40 kids and you go in one day and you're online on zoom the other day.
0: Let's go ahead and transition over to the lower league E cup. Cause like I said, this, this really was, was something that I think myself and a lot of fans of lower league soccer really. Looked forward to and it brought a lot of entertainment to our summer when normally we would be, you know, going to games and, and watching soccer happening on the field that obviously it wasn't happening due to COVID-19 implications. So, uh, but we got a lot of good e-soccer courtesy of the lower league e-cup. So how did you get the idea, the inspiration for the lower league e-cup and then how did it evolve to, to the tournament that we saw? Yeah,
1: yeah. So, so I guess I'll start off with that. I'm always someone who just wants to be involved. I want to be meeting people, you know, getting hands-on experience. Uh, you know, at the time as a high school senior, when I, when I launched this whole thing, I'm a college freshman now, a sports management major. So that kind of played really well into what I was trying to do. Um, I was just looking to get some experience in the field. And I had an interview or two with the minor league baseball team that you know obviously got derailed by the pandemic so, so once it became clear that this summer wasn't going to be the one we expected um, i started to try and come up with another way to, to get involved in and almost immediately my, my attention focused in on lower league soccer you know it's a new community it's, it's small it's something that i'm very very passionate about and and most importantly to, to an 18 year old like myself it's an open community that that's welcoming to anyone that, that wants to come in and make a difference but, but anyways, when live sports kind of just disappeared overnight, um, it, it just felt like, you know, a video game tournament was the next best thing. You know, mm-hmm. like I said earlier, just trying to make the best we can out of a bad situation. Uh, as fans, I don't think we realized how much of our lives kind of revolved around soccer and sports. Um, and after about a week or so of everything shutting down, I started just reaching out to clubs and launched our social media, trying to get people just to, to believe in me and what we were doing. You know, I pitched it to clubs and what I wanted to do for, for these clubs that, you know, only have such a short season to begin with. And, and they already have, you know, a 10-month season, And now they're looking at, like, a 20-month season. It's just mm-hmm. something to, to get their fans engaged, get people excited. You know, if we can be that one bright spot during the pandemic and that one way that, that fans can either learn about new clubs or, you know, more importantly, clubs maintaining connections with their current fans – Um, You know, not being able to meet in person and all that, and and the experiences we normally get to have, uh, it it was just something that I thought was a win-win all around. And it it wasn't easy to get the ball rolling to to get the first couple of clubs to come on, but but once that ball got rolling, you know, things just kind of took off. Um, We ended up with 120 clubs and supporters groups, a few supporters groups who kind of played independently, Mm -hmm. Uh, but it—I bet big what i like to think is i bet big on the, the build it and they will come model and, and simply put it, it worked out better than i ever could have imagined um it, we had 120 clubs 20 from 26 different leagues uh that's from only 10 days registration you know we brought everyone together under under one tournament from professional clubs like ford madison uh cal, cal united striker, strikers out Uh, all the way down to to the local amateur leagues, like the MASL. I think uh, Dynamo of St. Cloud was involved and Mm -hmm. really everywhere in between. Um, So going back to that stretch in March, you know, we had that whole 10-day stretch where it was just recruiting all the teams, marketing the tournament, and and basically putting everything together at once, you know, schedule, rules, format, streaming, and marketing. Um, It it was all just about putting it together as professionally as possible and knowing that, there was probably going to be a problem or two along the way. And there there were certainly a a problem or two along the way. Yeah. But um, looking back, it it probably would have been smart to take another week or two to get everything set up. And and I feel that we probably could have avoided one of those two er early hiccups that we hit. But at the same time, you know, we had no clue how much time we had to get this thing in and finish everything up. You know, we, we had people coming to us saying that they needed this thing done by early mid-May because, you know, they thought everything would just be back to normal by then. You know, mm-hmm. they, we didn't know anything about the virus back then. There's still a whole lot we don't know now. Um, but it, it just shows you how hard it is to, to plan large-scale events these days. And I can only imagine what, what these clubs and leagues and, and all the front office staff are doing and having to go through right now just... It, everything can change so quickly, um, but yeah, that's to the tournament. We really went for that that World Cup style event. Um, mm-hmm. We're an event for the casual fan. Uh, personally, I've never been a, a big guy in the esports, and especially not before this. You know, it's, it's something I have a lot of respect for. I, I respect the amount of time and effort that these gamers put into their craft. It's it was just never my cup of tea growing up. Um, but, but being an event for the casual fan, you know, you don't need to be an esports fan or, or into professional gaming to really get into it. You know, we're just here to bring people together and have a good time. So, so from day one, um, you know, just giving something that these clubs could use to, to keep their fans engaged and, and relevant and, and grow their brand in, in a time where there wasn't anything to bring us together. And, and that's exactly why we use, you know, first team players, um supporters and club staff you know they're relatable guys they're fans that the fans already know them they have they have great relationships with them and for this type of event it's, it's the fit that we're going mm-hmm. for um I, I you know and you saw and you know the the model and what i pitch to clubs is is give me the chance and just see what happens um mm-hmm. you know that you're, you're not doing anything you know it's better to, to take a chance and see what happens and i don't think there's a better better example than a the the work done by the guys at minneapolis city um Mm -hmm. you know john john bizworm uh nate morales and you know their producer um up up there just absolutely phenomenal job that whole club just took with it and ran with it and and i think they did it in a way that you know you didn't have to be an esports fan you didn't have to like gaming you could hate gaming and you could just listen to it and it it was Mm -hmm. fun to listen to I mean, to, to have 200 – it didn't hurt that Jonah Garcia was ridiculously good at FIFA <laughs> and a, a top 100 FIFA player in the world. But to, yeah. to be able to tune in and have, you know, 200 people watching two guys playing FIFA, that, that was way, way yeah. uh, above my expectations.
0: Yeah, that, that was pretty wild. And like you said, Jonah, you know, it really helped that he advanced all the way to the finals in his bracket – uh, which, gave, which gave the Crows a lot of time and opportunity to develop their, their presentation, so to speak. And they definitely took it and ran with it. You're right. I want to go back to what you are talking about, just the preparation and time that it took and a lot of moving parts that went into putting this tournament on. How much help did you have? Was this mostly you or did you have some assistance along the way?
1: I mean, I, I try to be as humble as I can, but th- this year was mostly me. Um, I, I certainly didn't expect it to get as big as it did. I, I think my original goal was like 12 or 16 clubs and I would have been ecstatic with that. So mm-hmm. to, to reach 120 um, definitely caught me a little off guard and, and unprepared to an extent, Yeah, but uh, because it was the pandemic and, and especially in New York where you just couldn't go anywhere for, for two months and, mm-hmm. you know, you weren't allowed to, to leave the house to see your friends or to go out and, and do the stuff that you normally do. Um, I, I didn't have any else to do so I was able to do you know the overwhelming majority of the work kind of on myself but uh going forward we're definitely going to have a lot of people helping out we've already started to put together a little bit of a staff um we've had a ton of people reach out and and I don't want to um I I I honestly say no to some people just because of the amount of work they're already doing lower league soccer you know we just want to give people that that shot that experience but yeah we're doing inside of the pandemic and I, I think having people on staff next year helping to pull it off it's it's going to let things go a lot smoother um, it's going to be you know really personal, really organized and and continue to evolve and just make this event as great as we can
0: we'll get to the future ECO plans in just a second but right now you guys are are putting on the battle of the kits on twitter which which pits jerseys from all lower league uh soccer clubs podcasts and, and, you know, media outlets or whatever, anybody involved with lower league soccer, you know, has a chance to perform in this tournament if they have their own Jersey. So it's a really cool spin on, on a way to get more exposure for these clubs and especially a ways that a way that a lot of these clubs help monetize what they do and help make revenue off what they do is by selling jerseys. So putting a spotlight on those is really cool. Uh, Can you talk a little bit about the inspiration behind that specifically and kind of the response that you've gotten from that compared to your, you know, your initial expectations?
1: Yeah, yeah. So that's, it's, it's just another example of something where the the grassroots soccer and the the lower league soccer community is just preformed my expectations. Um, You know, our entire platform is devoted to to helping these clubs out to allowing these clubs to grow through, you know, unique and different mediums than they typically would and and looking in a different direction, especially given the, the circumstances that we're in. But at the same time, that platform and, and what the entire e revolves around is, is a three to five week stretch during the offseason. And I think to just let that, let our platform sit idly by and, and not do anything with it um, would just be a huge disservice. So, you know, the idea of something like a Twitter tournament or, you know, some of the stuff I think we're going to start doing uh, maybe next year where we're really gonna work to to get some of these clothes some, some nice exposure um it, it was always something that i knew i wanted to do and uh going back to the reason why we chose kits instead of just doing um you know the the team versus team i think you see uh pretty often um mm-hmm. just we wanted to do something different and we wanted to do something where people could, could see it and say, Hey, I want to go support that team more than just the follow, mm-hmm. um, you know, Twitter followers are great. Um, you know, they're nice to have, they're great to be able to connect and grow your brand a little bit, but at, at the end of the day, you know, priority number one is, is revenue for these clubs, especially yeah. in a year where you can't, you know, host games, the the margins at this level are, are so incredibly fine. Absolutely. Uh, you know, uh, especially, you know, some clubs some of the bigger clubs in the mpsr you know might be able to operate on a 100 or 150 grand a year budget and i mean even a grand or two for them is a big deal when you don't have big pocketed owners but especially when you look at clubs in the masl or the upsl and these clubs that maybe operate on on 20 25 grand a year mm-hmm. you know doing an extra thousand dollars in, in kit sales it just becomes so so important um and and if we can help that out a little bit i i think that's that's achieving the the entire purpose of this tournament i know we've already had a, a few clubs reach out and say that they've been able to sell you know an extra 10 15 kits or get get inquiries about from 15 20 different people um just because you know maybe the platform they have with 200 people on twitter doesn't reach the same crowd that we can reach and get their tweet in front of five or 6,000 people mm-hmm. um, every single time they, they have a matchup in this. And, you know, it, it's maybe it makes a bigger difference for a small club, but we're just trying to do whatever we can to help because at the end of the day, this is, this is a tough time for everybody. Um, and, and if we can just, you know, help teams get over that hump a little bit or push teams to, to break even or, that that's exactly what we're here for and what we're trying to do. So,
0: yeah, to to provide a little more context to what you were saying too, I mean, a lot of these lower league clubs, you know, their two biggest sources of revenue are memberships and ticket sales. And in 2020, none of these clubs are getting any revenue off that because they're you know transferring memberships to 2021 and they're not hosting games. So there's no ticket revenue there. Um, you know sponsorships and merch sales are just seen as more secondary ways to continue to make money. But those have really been you know fingers crossed that those sponsorships have stayed. You know that leaves merch sales is really their only point of making consistent revenue right now. So anything that can give them more exposure and and continue to try to maximize that portion of bringing money in, you know, obviously a positive. So um, I think, I think a lot of clubs definitely, uh, you know, will be better for, for being involved in this and, and having the exposure that you're giving them for sure.
1: Yeah, no, no, I, I appreciate that. And and I think another um, big misconception that, that I've kind of discovered that that people in lower league soccer have is just, Um, social media isn't everything you know you can have a a great social media presence and it's nice to 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 add that follower or two but at the same time you know 90 you know maybe not 90 but a a large percentage of clubs revenues is not coming from selling kits on twitter Mm -hmm. Um, you know it's it's nice to have you know someone from from florida buy a kit but if you make 30 or 40 bucks off that kit, it's, it's not the same as them being able to come to all of your matches and buy tickets and buy memberships. Cause th- that's where the real revenue is. And, and I think you can definitely gain appreciation for, for clubs that can perform well in social media, but also perform well in, in person. And those are the clubs that are, that are really feeling the effects of this year the most too I think.
0: Definitely. Uh, so do you have a favorite kit, whether it's in this competition or just in soccer in general?
1: Um, I, I do, I, I am a sucker um, for the, the Ford Madison kit, the, the drip oh, kit. I gosh. mean, yeah. how can you not, yep. uh, you know, without, I mean, I can be biased, I guess, for this cause I can't even vote in the battle of the kits. I mean, I love the Minneapolis city kit, the wing mm-hmm. kit. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it's on a different level. I mean, if you look at the, the polls from the first couple of days, it's, it's just blowing everyone out of the water right now. It's, it's, it's. Unique. It's beautiful. I mean, I know. Um, I'm not quite sure. I know someone at the club is behind the designs for that, and they just do such a phenomenal job year in year out of producing um, phenomenal kits and really making their brand known.
0: Yeah, I mean, some of the designs. So we work closely, obviously, with Stimulus Athletic. They're a partner of ours, and they're the ones that actually distribute Minneapolis City's kits. Um, and I talked to Jason a few weeks ago and he's like, yeah, anytime I get an email from Dan, who's the founder, he's like, I don't know what's coming, but I know it's probably crazy and it's probably ridiculous and it's probably awesome. So just the creativity, you know, not just with the kids, but as we talked about with how they, uh, you know, turn the, the E cup itself into a little presentation and promotion, you know, it's really kind of, they really embrace the, the creative aspect that's really necessary to keep, you know, a lower league soccer club, uh, going, especially in this time.
1: Yeah you know, especially at this level. I mean, just what you have to, to do to kind of stand out and, and really the work that they've done, not only on the soccer field, but just, just in the community. Um, I, I know they did a ton of work uh, back, back when the the George, the George murder of George Floyd happened back in, in late May, um, just being a, a huge player in the community. Uh, they, they organized some food drives. They, they were a force for positive change. And, and I think at the end of the day, that's, you know, as much as you're a soccer club, you you have to be, you know, a factor for change, something that's going to positively mm-hmm. affect your community past soccer.
0: I'm going to give a couple uh, shout-outs to some kits that I saw, even though we're competing. I think the Palm Beach Breakers kit is pretty cool. Yeah. And then our buddies down South in Gray's Lake FC, their, their kit, the swamp kit is pretty, it's pretty awesome too. So anyways, uh, moving on to the future E cup plans. So correct me if I'm wrong, but the 2021 lower the E cup is going to be happening in January, correct? Yep. Yep. Okay. January um, into early February. Nice. Uh, so anything happening between now and then, and what should we expect from the 2021 version of the E cup?
1: Well, I, I think what, what you can expect, um, it is a final plan uh, and kind of some more public details coming out closer to the end of the month, uh, maybe beginning of October. Um, we're, we're just at a point where we've been having a lot of, you know, small meetings with, with people just seeing where we can get better, how we can make it better for the fans, how we can make it better uh, for, for staff and even just media and what, what they want to see and what they, they feel works for them. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll be a little bit shorter than it was in 2020. I mean, 2020, uh, we, we just, with absolutely nothing going on, we had that ability to expand it a little bit and make it, I think, uh, an eight-week tournament. We're looking more towards doing something um, between four to six weeks, uh, maybe even three to five. Uh, again, we got we to gotta run the final plans through and, and do a couple more, a month or so of, of conversations to have. But we're tentatively scheduled uh, to kick off, I think, January 12th um exactly the the exact dates of the tournament still up in the air Uh, again that'll that'll all come out probably you know end of the month beginning of october Uh, a big challenge that we kind of have to deal with going forward is going to be the release of the new xbox and playstations that that are coming out in november um so so we're trying to a lot of our conversations have gone into how are we going to work around that because you know, we still want to make sure everyone's getting involved. And it's mm-hmm. so early on that we know there's a lot of people who aren't going to have that new Xbox, who aren't going to have that new PlayStation yet. But at the same time, having six divisions going on at once would just be w- way too much. So yeah. we're, we're just trying to trying to work around that right now, um, really get some of those final details hammered down. And I, I think, you know, for an event that wasn't supposed to be more than twelve. Tw- while over 16 teams playing a couple weeks during pandemic, um, we have a really bright future around us. And, and I hope this can be kind of an annual thing that that clubs can use in the off season to, to have a little bit of fun, connect with their fans, uh, mm-hmm. engage with their brands and um, to just become an annual event that kind of brings lower league soccer fans together and, and see what we can do as a community.
0: Yeah. I mean, I am looking forward to seeing what you guys put together for 2021. That's going to be, that's going to be a lot of fun, especially like you said, such a, such a quick turnaround between the idea, you know, putting it in place and then the tournament actually starting, you know, I thought the 2020 version was excellent, especially considering the circumstances. So when you talk about something that you know a little more planned out, more people involved, you know the potential that I see for 2021, I'm super stoked to see what you guys put together. Not to put more pressure on you, but I'm really, I'm really excited to see what what that version looks like and and how it's put together and and what we see from it.
1: Yeah, no, no, I appreciate it. I mean, I'm I'm absolutely psyched for what what this could become. You know, it's it's like I have said a couple of times earlier, like, this is, this is way beyond my expectations. I think really beyond anyone's expectations for what this event has kind of been able to become, and I look forward to, to keep seeing it grow and, and see just how big we can get because, you know, the sky's the limit right now.
0: So transitioning now, I want to finish up by talking about kind of your your background and, and, and history in soccer specifically. You mentioned that you're a, you're a big fan of lower league soccer, a big soccer fan in general. Uh, did you grow up playing soccer? And and how far did that go? And, and how, how has your soccer fandom, I guess, progressed throughout throughout your life?
1: Yeah, yeah. So um, I definitely, I think one thing that surprises a lot of people is that I, I don't have a soccer background. You know, I tell mm-hmm. people, when people ask what my soccer background is my my response to them is that I really don't have one I mean I played <laughs> when I was <laughs> I played when I was really young you know I wasn't good I was good but I wasn't insane or anything at the end of the day I kind of had to choose between playing travel baseball and, and playing travel soccer and being a huge baseball nut at the time you know I, I went with baseball so really between like 2010 and 2019 i was just your stereotypical american sports fan where i just kind of tuned into the world cup every four years and that was it Mm -hmm. and then i really started to get back into soccer i'd say like early 2019 um i kind of came across the the afc wimbledon story on youtube and and for those of you that aren't aware of who what who afc wimbledon is it's a fan known club that was started by supporters of a premier league team that essentially relocated like three hours North and it it left, you know, fans who were lifetime supporters and had given everything they had blood, sweat and tears to that club. And it it left them without a club to support. Mm -hmm. So so they just went out and and built it themselves. They're all the way back in uh, league one. Now, um, they went through nine promotions in, in 11 years or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but I'm a soccer for an underdog story. Uh, started watching their games, um, got into to Champions League a little bit, would watch it, would kind of come home between school and practice, to turn on a little Champions League action, and uh, naturally just started following soccer in the U.S. Um, I follow everything from the amateur leagues like the NPSL, to uh, UPSL, to, to the MLS and the national teams, and, pretty much everywhere in between. So, so it definitely hasn't been the, the typical path to being in the soccer business, but I'm, I'm obviously excited with the way it turned out and really excited for the what the future could hold.
0: Do you consider yourself a, you know, a big supporter of one team specifically, or just kind of a, just a kind of an unbiased soccer viewer in general?
1: Um, uh, growing up a little bit I, I would watch like a period a, a New York Red Bulls game whatever they were on TV oh. I wouldn't call myself a supporter by any stretch and I've probably grown further away uh from that club and, and really don't pay attention to them anymore Fair enough. Uh, at least as as one club specifically um you know but uh, if they're on ESPN I'll watch a game but no no I really there wasn't anything in my area. Um, actually i think look i looked it up the the metro area that i'm from is like the largest uh area in the country without a soccer team i guess i or higher so yeah i th- I think the closest thing we have is um about about 90 minutes south of where i'm at so it, it's kind of been a uh, unbiased supporter you know i'll, I'll mm. tune in if if iceland's playing in the euros i'll there you go. It for iceland but uh, other than that um yeah, I, I I wouldn't say that I really am a supporter of a specific club in general.
0: I'll have to get you uh, I'll have to get you uh, an Everton jersey and and get you get you to become a Blues fan
1: start winning me over
0: now <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> now's the time to get on the wagon they made some good uh they made some good acquisitions this offseason so we'll see how they do anyways joe meyer lower league e cup founder uh and basically everything guy for the lower league e cup uh i can't i can't thank you enough for taking the time to talk to me man about about the e cup about the battle of the kids and what the future holds for 2021 i'm really looking forward to seeing uh seeing how everything plays out and uh best of luck in college this fall
1: Yeah, appreciate it. Love to do it again one time.
0: you go to college at uh
1: baldwin wallace it's uh kind of like cleveland suburbs okay
0: got it got it are you are you from that area yeah. then or uh no i'm from i'm from upstate
1: new york actually oh okay got it. i got I, I got recruited to come play out here i actually play men's volleyball which i don't know oh, okay. if it's a thing in uh minnesota it's kind of like there's like five or six hot spots around the country yeah um, but yeah yeah no it's it's pretty good uh their coach is from up by my high school so he he brought in a couple of guys from that area